0: Hello and welcome to episode 69 of q Quest. I am your legend-ranked Hearthstone playing host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always,
1: David McBurnie, Phantom Master, person who will just burn every card to the ground one day and laugh maniacally as Wheels just sort of cries over his crushed drive containing whatever data held his frickin' uh-huh, the joke's, Hearthstone's. stones. the joke's
0: on you. All
1: that data is stored in Blizzard server uh, servers,
0: and I'm sure they have a bazillion Why are you backups. assuming?
1: Why? Are, why are you assuming that that my the entire fantasy I outlined did not involve destroying all of those?
2: And That's here, impossible. And, and very happy to not be going through as much stress as Dave appears. To
1: be.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we okay. have. Okay. We have another wonderful episode for you,
1: but first, Let's not make that promise before we've recorded it.
0: But first, we should talk about how I finally hit a legend in Hearthstone after. Should we? You?
1: Yes, yes,
0: yes. We should talk about how uh, I always talk about. I play lots of Hearthstone and generally consider myself to be a really good player. But if you want to be a really good player in this kind of game and you can't hit legend, um, you're kind of not that good. So. Uh, it's pretty sweet to finally get that damn monkey off my back. And, uh, yeah. It was a grueling experience, so hopefully next time I try it, it will not be as grueling.
1: I'm now imagining, like, the montage in The Simpsons where Homer is, like, imagining all of his best days, and, like, he remembers, like, the, the time, like, when he got married and, like dancing around a beer truck and now i'm imagining that with all of your achievements and they're all being swept aside for freaking legend of hearthstone. That
0: <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. I mean, uh let's see, on Friday night, so to to get up any rank in Hearthstone, you have to win 5 games, right? Uh, but but in the lower ranks, you win like three or four games in a row, and you get bonus stars, so it's easy to rank up. And then once you hit five, it's win one game, get a star, lose a game, lose a star. No bonuses. So, it takes a lot of games to get all the way up there, and, um, uh, and Friday night, I made it to one rank one, four stars, and fell all the way back down to two with four stars and thought that, you know had a good run of it and it was probably done and but kept at it and finally got it Saturday during the day and uh, that meant I could play some Alliance Alive Saturday evening, which was
1: sweet <sighs> I should have started that but I didn't, I'm yes. the master of poor choice.
2: There are facilities and professionals who can help you with it <laughs>
1: <laughs> nope, expensive. I have to live I have to live with this and make my own bad decisions.
0: Indeed, indeed. Uh But yeah, Alliance of Life is sweet. And uh the soundtrack I didn't even realize. it's, it's obviously the same composer that worked on Legend of Legacy, but I didn't realize um. How Thank you. He's uh, going to draw in a blank on his name. Had also worked on Final Fantasy xiii too, which, uh, if you listen to the show, you know I hate, but I absolutely love that soundtrack. And was he's getting funnels, awesome.
1: yeah. Uh, he did Onyx in
2: Sweden. Awesome name. Yeah,
0: but yeah. You're
2: he, uh, working on stuff.
0: Ball, saga frontier. That's right, toe
2: ball.
0: Oh, that's a good stuff. Yeah, for some reason the like the world map theme was giving me like a serious Final Fantasy thirteen two vibe. Uh and um, uh, for obvious reasons, but yeah, awesome soundtrack. I've been listening to the the, the little CD it came with a bit, and um, we'll probably have to pick up the full soundtrack at some point. So definitely highly recommend that game. Um, so should we jump into this hmm. the questions?
2: Okay. So what do we have lined up?
0: Uh well, first of all, we have from Severin Mira. Uh he calls me a thief and rightly so. <laughs>
2: really, what did you steal?
0: Uh so um him and and I think Sam were were making some Simpsons related jokes about uh the Stonecutters episode. And I was like, "Hey, I love that episode. I'm going to just I'm going to throw that song in the intro to last episode, and I did,
2: and there you go. The no homers club where the plural was very important.
0: Indeed. We can have uh-huh. one, we can have one Homer.
1: <laughs> no homers. <laughs> uh
0: that is one of the best episodes in the whole series,
1: for sure. The unblinking eye. <laughs> Oh, Patrick Stewart Crossing... (laughs) Crossing the desert.
0: Why is Patrick Stewart so good in, like, absolutely
1: everything he's in?
2: Even when the rest of it is complete crap.
1: Yeah. Everybody takes the same oath.
0: (laughs) Oh, good times. Uh, But as far as our actual questions... Uh, we have from Budai, a side note, Robert E. Howard, the writer of Conan, was from Cross Plains, Texas. I'm a Texan and have lived all over the state, east to west, but I've been by his house and it's so mild. Cross Plains is south of Abilene and not a place you would imagine anything coming from. Such a small little town, his house is right on the main street. He killed himself there at a young age. Ugh. He's a friend yeah. of other famous authors and fairly popular for his time, but you would never guess it from uh, The Small House and Middle of Nowhere Town. You would have thought he would have li- at least moved north to, to Abilene or south to San Antonio. Okay, end of pointless message. It's not a pointless message.
2: Yeah, Howard think. was part of this group of, like, a writing circle that included Lovecraft and a bunch of the others. <laughs> really common in the magazines of that time period and so it was like like a, a precursor to a an old like Yahoo writing group yeah so they they all loved to cross-reference each other they that you would find lovecraft chants and references to elder gods in pretty much really random locations in some of the stories and it was yeah I mean it was pretty much all just by post. So, and Howard himself had some really interesting emotional issues
1: yeah, also true of, of Lovecraft
2: uh, of course I mean nothing compared to Lovecraft himself he was mm. the, uh, yeah.
0: hmm but Lovecraft mm-hmm. never wrote anything weird or strange or or terrifying
1: or heinously racist
2: i was gonna say it, it's not borderline racist if the entire point of the punchline of the story is racism um yeah it's like only only lovecraft could write a story about a an evil bride whose hair is actually some sort of tentacle monster that lives on after her death and have the actual scare point of the story, the big reveal at the end being that she was partially African by Ancestry.
1: Yeah, it was... uh Oh, I guess
0: we is just getting a Kodak call. Yeah, sorry. I have to take this, it's Snake.
1: Impressive, Snake. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it was... Lovecraft was the sort of person that uh, could tap into the fear of the unknown by virtu- by being afraid of virtually everything. So,
2: yes, projection at its finest. Mm. Uh,
1: yeah, that's, that's a
0: that's a long discussion by itself. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm trying to find the name of this book I read years ago that was like it's basically like a pop fiction novel that starred a bunch of like these writers, like, I think Robert E. Howard was in it, or at least referenced in it, and Lovecraft, and some other writers, but for the life of me, I can't remember the name of this book. Mm. But, if I find it at some point, I will mention
1: it. (laughs) Just added it in here.
0: Ah, here it is. Uh, The Chinatown Death Cloud Peril. By Paul That's Mal- quite a name. Malmont. Yes, it's so it's a weird name, but like I said, it stars a bunch of the, a lot of those authors in it, and it's uh, it's a really interesting book. So
2: apparently, he and his friends also appear in the Illuminatus trilogy. Interesting.
1: I was going to follow up that uh, that comment on it being a weird name with now. Let's discuss bravely default, but the the moment's gone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, more from Budai. Do you feel complicated battle systems don't work with games that are very story-heavy? It always seems that when a game goes one way towards long battles or tons of story, it takes away from the other side. Tactical RPGs rarely have deep-world exploration. Exploration. Do you think this is because developers focus on one side, or do you think this is on purpose? example, Witcher 3 and Disgaea.
2: Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the style, because, like, Tactics Ogre back in the day pretty much set the tactical RPG format as strongly political, or, like, political fantasy, and so you see a lot of, or most of the games either going full bore on that angle, or completely going against it and being ridiculous comedy romps. Hmm. Um, so um, I mean I've seen I've seen pretty much any variation that you can think of for a story and, and gameplay and a lot of it depends on the studio because some studios simply like to produce more story some of them are much better at creating uh, game systems some of them just inherited or have been producing the same game system for two decades basically, and have enough leeway to expand in other areas. Um, of course Final Fantasy tries to have it all the ways at once and always from from base premises every time, so that's a different issue.
1: Yeah. I I feel like on on some level there's also just the fact that like long battles and long story scenes have difficulty pacing each other out in a way that's satisfying so you have to you have to be sort of careful about how you balance those two things so like if you produce things that have like a really in-depth story there might be cause to want to sort of shrink the battles to something more digestible so that you don't have two portions of the game that are gigantic and also like don't feel as connected i guess
2: to the point where, after one section of one type, you completely forget everything about the other type. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: Uh, Wheels is about sure. to start talking about Tears to Tiara, too. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, if that one comes to mind, we don't uh, need to bring it up because we can just tell from his sighing and moaning that yeah. this is not the topic that we wish to discuss.
1: <laughs> We've done it before.
2: Yes, and I think I've already talked about several of the games I talked about here before, too. So,
1: I think there's at least one game where you said that you weren't sure if it had battles in it. <laughs> you would like <laughs> bought a version without battles.
2: Yeah, I, that's one I mentioned before. Yes. So, but okay, a different example: Xenosaga um, One and Two. Yeah. Where the the DS version of the game was greatly improved by having all of its battles incredibly truncated and game. simplified.
0: Yeah, I wish we got that version of the game. So it, seemed, it seemed really nice.
2: Considering that it was, they managed to fit two PS2 games worth of story into one DS cartridge.
0: Yeah, it's pretty impressive.
2: Yep. I
1: remember them implying at one stage that it was actually considered for localization, and I believe it because I'm given to understand that did better than they expected in the US. That. Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably it
2: just hit, Probably um, it just hit the bad
0: bad times for DS games at that point. Yeah.
2: I don't know, I think it came out quite a bit before the slump started. Was it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's like 08. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's possible um, that just when they decided to get around to localizing it, it no longer made sense. Yeah. Let
2: me see if I can find
1: this. Oh, it might actually be late compared to when it actually came out.
2: One, two... Yeah,
1: yeah, no, no six. No excuses.
2: Yep. I mean, it also had lead-in material that directly linked into Xenosaga 3. Including a new NPC who was not present in Xenosaga 2 originally.
1: But who shows up in Xenosaga 3 anyway. Yes. This reminds me, I think there's like one. There's a reference to the cat storyline. There's a reference to like the cat storyline in the Xenosaga fan disc, Xenosaga freaks, in like two, just because, like, oh, haha, Cosmos can talk to cats.
2: Interesting. How much of that DS remake actually made it into Endless Frontier, at least um, graphically?
1: <laughs> yeah, I suppose yeah. it made sense. We've got sprites.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the bridge of the ship in Xenosaga—that was a location in Exceed. I mean, in uh, Endless Frontier.
1: It might be an Exceed, I haven't played Exe. <laughs> like exceed didn't well, even come out in English. Oh,
2: well, it's also an Exceed. I was just yeah. I just yeah, didn't
1: just clarifying it. that it's in both. Yeah. Uh, I love that that whatever parts of Endless Frontier are technically uh, Banpresto original are have been allowed into the Super Robot Wars original generation timeline. <laughs> Which is just they will they will they will pillage anything if they can.
2: Just the entire the entire crossover series, all five games at this point, are just a really odd concatenation of material. So, I'm just waiting for them to bring Wonder Momo back. Oh, man. They so tried doing in that in the US. <laughs> what
1: were you saying? Sorry.
2: No, I mean, in the original crossover game, Namco crossed um, Capcom.
1: Capcom, yeah.
2: Yeah, Wonder Momo was a playable character. Man... That that's the one that's the precursor to Endless Frontier.
1: Yeah, yeah. Namco X Capcom I remember seeing previews of it and people wondering if it would come over and like everything I heard was it's not a particularly great strategy RPG, but hey, Klonoa can fight Ryu now, I guess. <laughs> sure, why not?
2: And normally I would say it probably would never have come over because of rights licensing issues, but then hey, we got Project Cross Zone 1 and 2.
1: <laughs> yeah, which if anything are worse about it, because they also bring in Sega and Nintendo.
2: Oh, they are, I mean, it's a miracle. It. I mean, I was just astounded when that was announced.
1: I'm reminded of of Capcom going to the trouble of bringing over Tatsunoko versus Capcom, and it was just like, why? Like, I wanted this, but how did you expect to turn a profit on this? <laughs> I mean they they went to the trouble of like they had to cut one of the Tatsunoko characters, so they brought in a bunch more that no American was ever going to know who they were. I mean I'm sure that there's that okay, I'm not even gonna pretend that I'm sure that like Ipatsuman brought in even a single US dollar. <laughs>
2: No, you're just going in for the Capcom characters and the weird anime aesthetic
1: listen i I will fight forever for the existence of gold lightan <laughs> yeah no they I just love that like they brought it like for some reason, like they brought in a bunch of random like th- when they were filling out the roster, they could have just filled it out with more Capcom characters, but no they brought in more. More Tatsunoko characters too. Finally, Tekaman Blade. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: What was I gonna say? Back to the original question. <laughs> um, Shining Force. There was a question. Is the exception that proves the rule, or something? What am I trying to say here? Shining Force is long tactical battles and world exploration and everything. And,
1: yeah, not a lot of games can
0: mush all that together successfully.
1: Even Shining Force is generally, like, the world exploration is still simplified. It's not, it's not gone, but it's definitely simpler than you expect. For sure. Unless you're trying to find all the secret characters, in which case the game just, like, intricately etched a middle finger into your eye <laughs> <laughs> but I mean if you, want, if you want Jogurt you gotta fight for him and by that I mean like check a random tile and you want him not because he's useful but because he is a hamster and a helmet <laughs> I will continue to reference him forever he is the best
2: uh, I still go for penguins and helmets personally
1: Listen. The world has room for both hamsters and helmets, and penguins and helmets.
2: Sure.
1: Okay. I will brook no argument.
0: Okay. Okay. We are going to take a short musical interlude before uh, the next question. So please enjoy this selection from the Alliance Alive soundtrack.
2: Ah, oh, sweet.
0: Or a random Simpsons song, depending on my mood. I hate this life.
2: And then Alliance Live.
0: (laughs) Fine. All right, we're back and we have a guest joining us in the middle of the show.
3: Hi guys, it's me,
1: Ari G. Welcome.
0: Tagged in. But who do, who are we going to tag out?
1: I'll probably have to tag out for a few minutes later so that's fine.
0: So <laughs> say, well, I'll tag out and go play some Hearthstone. I I will end you. <laughs> so our next question is also from Budai.
1: Um, yeah, you think he's, of... a, he's an enthusiastic help. <laughs>
0: yeah. What do you think of the concept of a non-portable switch without the screen? Is this idea
1: worthless because of the mobile processor in it? Um... I've got a million problems with it, and the least of them is the system's processor. <laughs> <laughs> System Wouldn't it kill the idea of
3: calling the block. switch, then? Yeah.
1: I mean, there's that. There's the fact that, like, it produces incompatibilities because you've suddenly got no access to a touchscreen. There's, like... <sighs> There's so many problems with this idea on its face that my brain is like breaking. Like, to, would, to, to be a to, completely different broken console. switch. Yeah. To to go back to it another way, like we, I, I would say that that exists. It was called the Vita TV, and see how that turned out.
0: I like my
3: Vita yeah. TV. Yeah, where I where I played uh, <laughs> where I played Criminal Girls too, and I discovered that they didn't adjust for not for playing the game on the TV, so you end up with situations where you do the stupid mini game but the screen's oriented to play vertically.
1: Yeah, that's like... That's... <laughs> cool. Just put your TV in Tate mode, it's fine. But
3: I don't have a Tate mode for my TV.
1: <laughs> also, yeah. most TVs will probably break if you try it, but... <laughs> I
2: don't know, I mean, if it's an old enough TV you can just flip the entire thing on its side, it's still a box.
1: Yeah, but you're probably not plugging your v- Vita TV into that because it only has HDMI outputs.
2: That's when you get creative. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You get a hideous set of digital-to-analog converters, and your t- video game appears to be being beamed from another solar system. I'm guessing
3: that's the real reason that the PC version of the game hasn't come out yet, because they're trying to... they had have to rework it.
1: Godspeed. But, uh... Yeah, like, again, like, the... This idea of, like, making the tiny console... Like, it... Like, the Switch has games, enough name games that people care about it, but it's like that capacity to do whatever with it. Like, it's ability to adapt to all situations that makes it a big deal, so... Yeah. well, it, That's kneecapping it and turns it into a we with fewer... I, I, an HD Wii with fewer like use cases.
0: Well, here's the other thing about it, like
3: maybe they could just make the Ultra GameCube.
0: This, okay. uh, oh. I, I mean, if you think about it, the screen is probably not the most expensive piece of hardware in the thing. So, like, how much cheaper is it really going to be if they make one without the screen? I just think.
1: Well, uh, it loses some mechanical complexity because it doesn't need like sensors and those slide-on sets and. That's not that much money, but it produce like the what they would mostly end up benefiting is that it would make it simpler to manufacture because it doesn't have to be as small anymore. You're not cramming things in as much. It's a simplified manufacturing process, but I mean, you make something slightly cheaper that also has half as half the cost and one tenth the use case. Yeah, so not really worth it. And split the user base because yeah. companies love that. That always works out. <sighs> Uh, yeah, so not a fan, not a fan of the idea. Don't yeah. don't think it's a great idea. But I'm going to pose the reverse question of this before I have to step out. Who? What do you think of a of an attempt to turn to make a switch competitor out of either of the other out of, out of any competing brand?
2: Hmm. That would be very interesting and hilarious to watch them go down in flames. <laughs>
1: Like, it immediately, like, uh, I'm just imagining, like, what compromises does, like, a PS4 Switch have to make? And it's like, well, first of all, it has to, like, it it can only work digitally. And, like, they tried that with the PSP Go. I think the market might be almost ready for it at this stage. But, like, at the same time, like, I don't know that you can produce a compatible design that, like, would actually play PS4 games that would also have... Would also be crammable in a form factor like that. Yeah. yeah,
2: it's a case of when you're when you're competing with somebody who's got such a good hold on their section of whatever, yeah. direct competition is going to get you slaughtered. <laughs> so what you need to do is you need to find a different angle, a different approach, and produce something equally good on that line that will attract more people, and that's what the Switch did. Yep, disruptive it,
1: technology. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, Nintendo knew that, okay, if we go up against the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, they're doing quite well right now, or at least reasonably well, like, when they were planning the stuff. And so they just took it in a different direction, and they are doing amazingly well with that. So I think if Sony and Microsoft attempted to take a page from Nintendo's playbook and actually attempt this... I don't think they have the self-control and the dedication and several other Mm. intangible qualities a corporation should not normally have in order to make it work.
1: Listen, we'll make a PS Vita 2 that'll play like a handful of specially selected digital games and also be festooned with buttons from every direction and have four touchpads. You like the Jaguar. (laughs) (laughs) It'll have a keypad. It will have a slide-out keypad like a late-ots pseudo PDA cell phone. <laughs> Using
3: Sony Sony technology.
1: Oh, oh, God. oh, everyone's favorite phone brand. World's most popular. Do those you, see,
0: uh, do those still exist? I don't believe so.
1: Okay. <sighs> It's possible. I don't think anyone's cared about them in quite a while, but, like, it's possible they still make them. I, I don't know. <laughs> Which really says about as much as you need to know, but... <laughs> I care about them. No, you don't.
0: What are we talking it's about again?
1: Sin, it's a sin to lie, <laughs> <laughs> Says you. Can't believe he'd say this the day after Jesus' rebirth day.
0: But I don't even believe in
1: Jeebus. Wow. Simpsons jokes continue, but also I just used the phrase Rebirth Day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's better than Undeath Day. Yeah, I, that's made what Dracula...
3: praise, I made Sunday praise of Sunday in honor of Dark Souls. Wow. And Friday was Get Good Friday,
1: because you had told well, Sunday oh, to get I hate, good. I hate this world. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this world, and I need to briefly step out. But all I will say is that Undeath Day is, where, is what Dracula gets. If you come back to life, you get rebirth day. If you never, if you become unkillable, you get undeath day. <laughs> so many rules. I Listen, I don't make the rules. This. I just enforce them and also make them. <laughs> Wait a minute. See you shortly. <laughs> Wait a minute.
3: <laughs> I wish I could tell you I was playing Penny Punching Princes and, um, and The Witch in the Hundred and Eighty Two, 2, but I didn't get around to it because I was too busy playing um... The aforementioned game I just beat. Talking oh, to you guys. The um, Alliance Alive. Sweet. No spoilers. I, no- I I noticed that there's an EX game and then there's New Game Plus. And it's like, there are two different versions of New Game Plus. One lets you carry over your order gems and um, all your spent talent points so you could redistribute them. Plus like 10,000 talent points which lets you buy the <laughs> really expensive stuff. Or, you can carry all your items and stuff. And
2: money. Like, if you have actually have any order stones left over after the final battle, this is going to be a, a surprise. Um, but how many did you lose?
3: Uh, I lost, like, let's see, I had over 50, so, like, close to 60. I had, like, 13 when I started the fight, so I probably lost all of them.
2: Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, that was fun. So, yeah, this is a series where the final bosses just like to mess with the the game's own systems a bit. Remember um, the uh, Legend of Legacy where the final boss actually broke the elemental um, sensor thing?
3: Mm, I wouldn't know because I didn't get that far.
2: He did. So the the artifact that you're relying on to tell what the elemental balance is for battles, you don't get that for the final battle because, again, the final boss breaks it. <laughs> And so it's sitting there on the screen with electricity arcing out of it and all the colors really messed up. <laughs>
3: It'd be hard for me to go back and actually finish that because this is so much of an improvement over that game.
2: True enough, it is. I still love that game though.
0: Still worth playing. But yeah, Alliance Alive, much, much improved. And I can't wait to get that pe- penguin guy. He's the,
3: one of the best characters. <laughs> no, he literally is like, whole, like his his rocket uh, attack is probably the strongest attack, if you don't count um penguin madness because penguin madness isn't very sp uh, friendly.
2: True, but you can shave that down a bit with talents. But... Yeah. And did you get the pinball attack?
3: Yeah, crazy pinball. Yeah,
2: that was fun. Like all over
3: the screen. <laughs> ah. Yes. He's always talking about how he wants to crush his enemies, and he looks like a Spanish conquistador oh with his
2: hat god. on. Yeah, oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, it's a conquistador help. That's so
0: good. I have him in awesome keychain key form, thanks to Atlas USA. One
1: thing—the
3: one thing that's kind of knocking against the game is that. Um, there's very clearly set up like, certain characters that will just be better than others. I didn't bother training them beyond a certain point, because you only need them from one port part of the game, and even then, you're supposed to kind of fail with these other characters when you're going to control them, because you're supposed to, um, choose between rescuing people or, um, letting the enemy through. And, um, if you let the enemies through, the people that are guarding the the pagoda that guards the princes um,
2: has finished well,
3: off. Yeah, and you have to do a bunch of chain battles. It could be hard, but if your team is sufficiently leveled, it's not that much of a problem.
2: But granted, the boss that comes right after that scenario. So.
3: Yeah, he went through at least one of my teams before I had to fight them and beat them.
2: Because yeah. so the damage
3: carries over, at least.
2: I mean, that that's the one battle where if everyone dies, then the next group comes in immediately with the super-powered, enabled <laughs> weapons, and he will probably take them out by the next round anyway, so you just unleash everything on him. Fun, fun, fun. Okay. But we should let Wheels discover this for himself. Yes,
0: yes, please. Still have so much of the game to play.
2: I
3: can give you some tips, though. Um, you want to invest in attack boost if you're using an attack roll character okay. or guard boost for a guard for defensive tanks and the like because um every round that's active um your attacks get progressively stronger hmm. as long as you keep using arts
0: I will keep that in mind uh. <laughs> we move on to a question? Were we talking about a question? I don't even remember anymore. Oh yeah! Sure. The Switch thingy. Mm-hmm. Here's a good one. Uh, if you were forced to call yourself an expert at one game, which would it be?
2: Um, if I was forced to, it would probably be Romancing Saga 2 just because of the walkthrough. <laughs> um, and I know I don't know everything about that game. I'm not sure if anybody knows everything about that game, um, especially on the mechanical side, but I've learned quite a bit about it.
3: For me, it'd either be most Mega Man games or um, Super Metroid. Nice.
2: What's your favorite Robot Master?
3: Hmm. In terms of like design or level structure, mm, For level structure, I'd probably have to go with. Uh, I liked. I like Snake Man's level. Mm-hmm. And in terms of, like, bosses that, that are fun to fight, um, I'd probably have to go with uh, maybe Searchman. He's kind of interesting.
2: Which game was that one? I don't remember him. Eight. Eight.
0: I'm trying to think which ones I would go with. Probably the first Dark Souls, for sure. And, oddly, Natural Doctrine. Which is Why? my... W- it's my it's my one platinum, <laughs> uh, but really it would be the first saga game, Final Fantasy Legend, because I have beat that game on multiple times, know it like the back of my hand, and still see like lots of people who played it back in the day and never beat it, and I'm always surprised to see that. So With I, or
2: without chainsaw?
0: Uh, without. Mm-hmm don't need it.
2: No, but it's so much fun to, when
0: it works. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's fun. There is no denying that. Uh, once Dave go, comes back, we're going to have to ask him his as well. But we'll jump into the next question, which is what is a game that you were shocked got a sequel? Legend of
2: <laughs> Legacy.
3: Um, <laughs> the Witch in the Hundred Night. <laughs> okay, that's a better one, yes.
0: Uh, Mugen... B- Bugensouls.
2: Well, I'm not uh, actually surprised on either of those two because NIS and Compile Heart are notorious for making sequels, sequels to everything. That's true. So, I mean, I wasn't surprised when they made a second Prinny game. They are also uh,
3: making a second Mary Skelter game, which I still haven't really played, but I feel like, <laughs> after reading the fact that they, uh, they took fan feedback into the account when they made the game... To improve the gameplay, which tells me the gameplay isn't that great. <laughs> the first game,
2: yeah, but you know, pretty much there there aren't many games from either of those companies that don't have some sort of direct or indirect sequel.
0: That's very true. I mean,
2: I mean, they even they even have Makai Wars out now, and it's the sequel to Macai Kingdom that they joked that they would never make, and it's an iOS game now.
0: Oh, I know a good one: um, Xenoblade Chronicles. Like, I never expected... I expected them to just move on to something like, new after Xenoblade Chronicles X. I did not expect that they would make a new, proper Xenoblade game, and I was pleasantly surprised. Um, Let's see what else. Um, Well, this is... sort of. I don't know if this really completely fits into the question, but I am... Still, kind of surprised they did the remake of Final Fantasy Legend 3, uh, but I'm very glad they did since it's leagues better than the original. So,
2: it, it's different enough to count as its own sequel.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's very true. <laughs> it's it's more of a sequel to like the remake of um, Legend 2 than it is like just great. Any other ones you guys can think of?
3: Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Breath of Fire six can- maybe counts. <laughs> it's like I thought that the series was dead, and they game brought it back, and it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the thing.
2: Well, pretty much any original saga after Unlimited. Yeah, yeah so we we shall wait to see if scarlet grace actually gets a sequel.
0: I certainly hope so. Now that it at least is uh we'll see release on like every platform. Mm-hmm. Hopefully in the US too, knock on wood.
2: So games are amazing that they actually got sequels. Yeah. Um the fact that Barclays shut up and jammed guided. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they ever released it I played the no game it's not it. out
3: yet yeah not yet
2: that looked really ridiculously insane and I, I remember interviewing the, the guy how who
3: much? It. it's not an RPG but Shaq Fu getting a sequel <laughs> oh
2: yeah. yeah yeah I keep seeing DVDs like 1 and DVDs 2
3: well I don't know if it's a sequel it might actually be a reboot
2: close enough it's been how many decades now
3: it, it depends whether or not they reference the old game. Like, directly reference it.
2: I don't know, I mean, Super Mario Bros. 2 doesn't... Or none of the Super Mario Brothers games really directly, <laughs> directly... Or the early ones, at least. Yeah. Didn't reference the previous games. And yeah, that's out now.
3: Legend Reborn. <laughs> uh, that's weird. Uh,
0: what else can I think of?
3: I, I can tell you games that got sequels like, that are surprisingly soon after its original release. Sure. Like, uh, Splatoon 2. Mm-hmm. And granted, Splatoon was popular, but it was also a t- type of game that probably wouldn't get the sequel for a few years, and it got one. Anyway.
0: Yeah, that... I remember... Oh,
3: keep going,
2: sorry. I was
0: just going to say, yeah, considering the number of, like, Wii U ports to Switch, I, that, that one is kind of surprising. It's almost...
3: It's almost a kind of port, if it weren't for yeah. the fact that it had its own single-player campaign. Sure. Because pretty much the multiplayer didn't change all that much.
0: Which is fine, but yeah, I mean, they just threw games like, obviously one that's really huge, Mario Kart 8 on there, pretty much unchanged. So, I mean, not that I'm complaining that they did this, but it, yeah, it was a bit surprising. I'm thinking
3: did- Smash is actually like more like Smash 4.5 rather than Smash 5. It's fine by me. <laughs> like a remix smash.
2: And What were you gonna say, Mike? I was gonna say I remember Atelier Annie. Um, the se- the second, oh, the next game in that series came out the same year. Oh wow! But that was because Annie was heavily delayed for some reason. So, um, they, I mean, Gus likes to put them out once a year anyway. So, Annie was supposed to come out in like 2008, and it came out in 2009 still and, haven't played any. And then Lena came out in 2009, about eight months later. Or nine months later.
3: And um, when did Marie originally come out? Because I think the one on PS2 might be a remake.
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, Marie came out for PlayStation and Sega Saturn back in mm. the 90s.
3: Oh, wow. Because so, like, the PS2 version just has both of them on there.
2: It's just, It's more of an omnibus.
3: Oh, we were talking about Breath of Fire, and today is its 25th anniversary.
0: Unless it's the anniversary of Dragon Quarter, who cares? <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Breath of Fire fans. Sorry. I'm sorry that your series is terrible. <laughs> I don't
3: want to go that far. I mean, I, I do like the games, but...
0: I like the first one, and the last one. I'm, I'm sorry, not the last one. The second to last one since I haven't played 6, and I don't think it's, it's, it's like, no longer possible to play 6,
3: right? Hmm. Mm, unless you have a PC, like, rip somewhere. Although I think that the game might entirely be, like, online based, so you couldn't play it even if you had the game.
2: Unless somebody set up a server somewhere. Yeah. Which, with a lot of these old online games, it's... Fairly, i fairly certain that somebody has. Alright,
0: any other surprise
2: sequels anyone can mm. think of?
3: Can't think of any.
2: Hmm. So, hmm, surprise sequel. Paladin's Quest 2? <laughs> that was a time period where...
3: Doesn't that have, like, a different name?
2: Linus. It never got released in America, so... Oh,
0: I can't really think of anything now, else, so, yeah. let's jump to the next question. Uh, do you think the Tales series will spread itself too thin by making two separate games for the Switch and PS4? What is the likelihood of this, and would it matter since Tales has always had a short development time?
1: I have grown, uh, grown only in power since I was gone.
2: Good to know. As for uh, Tales, They put Tales games on everything. They've got multiple studios working on Tails games. Um, There's no way they can spread themselves too thin on this series at this point.
1: The only argument I would make at this stage is that it just makes more sense to, like, because so many of their games, they've just, they never really abandoned the PS3 with Tails until very recently. So I'd imagine that they'll probably just. Like make it so. Oh, it runs at all on Switch, and it runs very well on PS4. Sounds about right. It's
3: basically, it sounds like the same situation we had with the Vita the game. Just didn't it ran, but it didn't run well.
1: <laughs> I would imagine they'll put a little more effort because the Switch is a little more popular than the Vita. But it's one of those things where it's like the baseline, like the idea. It's much simpler to port something to something more powerful, unless the more powerful thing is made insanely. So, it feels like the logical option here is make a Mothership title, make a baseline version on Switch, make a souped up version on PS4. There, you're done. So much simpler. But Who knows? They have historically done strange things with that franchise, so I mean I wouldn't say no to them making different games for each system, although I would scratch my head at it. Sorry, I didn't mean to...
0: Over how dare you oh, before we continue th- this question there was another one before that you now have to provide your answer for and it's if you yeah. were forced to call yourself an expert at one game which would it be
1: uh, it would be the original Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney because I have played through that game in excess of 20 times I saw basically every Sweet piece of Jesus. Like, I saw... It was one of those things where, like, oftentimes I would just have my DS on me, and I would have a few minutes, and I would, it would be like paging through a favorite comic book again, where it's just like, I know how to... Like, I knew every puzzle and, like, event flag inside and out, so I would just, like, occasionally just go searching for, huh, will this piece of dialogue change in this very specific situation where one event flag is triggered but another has not? And sometimes it would. There'd be some fun things in there. Hmm. But it was one of those things where, like, I just sort of always had it on me, because it was just, like, a default sort of, like, easy-to-relax-with game. Like I said, it was like paging through a favorite comic book again. So, I got... I played through that game a lot, and knew it inside and out, so... Uh, As for more exciting games, I don't know. I've... I could... I could probably say a lot about, like, the weird mechanical underpinnings of Star Ocean the Second Story and, like, doing stupid gimmick runs in it. I recommend, like, just trying to force... Like, one of my favorite things is, like, trying to force endings in that game is really fun because, like, since the second half of the game is so open-ended and, like, the way that you force an ending is by getting two characters to like each other, like, one of the ways you can do that is by forcing them to read books written by each other because that sets everyone's like relationships to a certain baseline. So you can do some really stupid things to try to force certain characters into different endings. Hmm. It's a very strange open-ended game. Or you could just, you know, do the parlor trick of getting the single best weapon in the game, like, halfway through the first disc. <laughs> it's not even that hard. You just have to understand the game's crafting system and have a very specific understanding of how to of how to get to use the skill system to force items into your inventory you're not supposed to have yet. <laughs> or, like, resetting the game until your chosen main character starts with the skill Nimble Fingers so that you can pickpocket early characters and get an item that just spits items into your inventory for as long as it exists. <laughs> or, please, you please. could. Yeah, there's so many ways to break this game. Or you could do like this other fun, stupid thing you can do, which is to uh, pickpocket another character who has an item called the treasure chest that when you open it, it has a selection of higher-quality items that it can spit into your inventory, uh, and it will spit three total, and that'll give you like a bunch of other characters' ultimate weapons. Is there's, there's a lot of... Fun, dumb stuff. There's one character who I would never recruit onto my team unless I want the best armor in the game, because if you go into town alone, you can pickpocket your own party member, and he has the best armor in the game for some reason. He's just not sharing it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I freaking love Star Ocean 2, by the way. Like, that game is super important to me, and I know too much about all the different stupid interactions that it has. Ugh. <sighs> What a great bizarre game! I'm like I I'm still salty that none of the later games try to be as ambitiously open ended as it. What about Resonance of? F- oh, you're talking about specifically Star Ocean, not Tri-Ace games. Never mind. Well, so like Resonance of Fate is a great game, but it is not an open ended game. It's very specifically closed okay. off. Yeah, that's true. But Star Ocean's two is just very like there. Are, you have two mandatory characters. You could get through the entire two, entire game with only those two ever being allowed to join your party. Oh wow. You want, <laughs> sh- should you? No, not really, but you could. You can like get weird combinations of like I tried to I tried to make a party that was just that was just women because I wanted to see like how many will it let me recruit? And it'll let you recruit like seven onto one group. It's difficult. Some of them are, like, the last one that you can get requires some, like... You basically have to force a party slot to stay open, because by that point, you're well into the second half of the game, and you have to go through some serious, obnoxious nonsense to do this. But there's also one that, like, she's looking for her boyfriend, and if you find her boyfriend and don't accept him onto the team, she'll leave. So you have to very specifically recruit her, and then never at any point make any attempt to find him. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, it's stuff like that that, like, I loved it because the game would let you try this stupid nonsense. Or, like, just stupid things like, oh, you can make a... You can get all of your... I've ranted about this trick before, I think, but you can get all of your party members to level 100 very early in the game by counterfeiting like these experience medals that just make it so that you use them on someone and they gain they uh you use them on someone and they get all the experience they need for the next level and you can just you can get a skill called counterfeiting where your party works together to make fake items (laughs) and if you, if you do this repeatedly, the the thing about it is that engaging in all this criminal exercise makes them dislike each other. So afterwards, they all have to read books about each other to reset their friendship <laughs> and relationship values.
2: Yeah, I think you would like Metal Max, for some of the crazy stuff you can pull off in those games. Not so, quite, uh,
1: already sold, but still.
2: Yeah, Not quite as interpersonally insane as what you're describing, but there's some really fun stuff. Plus, again, but, there's... A, Plus, again, for like Metal Max 4, there's only like four characters that you actually need to recruit, and you can just skip everybody else. Yeah, I love optional
1: party members. I love video games. That oh, let me... Th- oh, these God. guys
2: are hardly optional. Um, I mean, the guys, even the guys you can skip, there are large sections of, of supplementary plot that just simply don't happen. Oh,
1: <laughs> yeah. wow. That's sort of what I mean. It's like, give me the option to lose out on content. Like, don't make it obvious, but like, I guess in that sense don't make it hard to find content but give me the option of like ah, I want to see what happens if I don't do this <laughs> but now I'm thinking about like what was the last time you saw a game with like a truly like entirely skippable part of the cast
2: Metal Max 4 yeah I'd believe it and I will let you know in about two and a half weeks about um, Xeno, Xeno. Ah, jealous
1: is that coming out that soon?
2: Yeah, that's, that's this
1: month. That's ah. this month in Japan. I'd be more jealous, but I mean, I don't get to complain. We finally get a Metal Max in yeah. English again. It's about damn uh, time. But yeah, like I was thinking about it like, you know, the last time there was a Final Fantasy character that you could just not get was freaking FF7. And that was, that was weird to me to think about. Like, oh. Was say what? Was
2: Yuffie? You,
1: yeah, Yuffie and Vincent. You could skip both. Like, both of them you had to go out of your way for. And that was that was also interesting because Yuffie was tied to one of the more interesting, like, side areas. You could go the entire game without ever actually going to Wutai. And, like, that had its own consequences because if you didn't do the Wutai quest, the last fight with the Turks was no longer optional. But if you did the Wutai quest, they would just be like, do we really want to have this fight? <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I, I, I kind of... I enjoy those little subtle variances that give color to a playthrough. Like, oh, I didn't do that. (laughs) Sorry, I went far afield of what was essentially backtracking a question.
0: Oh, that's totally fine. What on earth were we talking about again?
1: Tales? Uh, Yeah, we were talking about tales and whether they were spreading themselves too thin. Tales of interest! It's anthology of interest, thank you very much. Damn it! They call it "Tales of Interest" in the episode, but the title is "Anthology of Interest." Turning in my Futurama <laughs> fan card. I'm retiring in shame. Pipe my glorious golden ass. Um. <laughs> uh. But yeah. Um. Yeah, I feel like if Namco ever gets like, th- to be fair to this question. They actually have, have slowed down on Tales games over the past year or so, which is to say we don't know what the next one is.
2: <laughs> Give them a couple weeks.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this this is still longer to go without having any idea what a tail what the next Tales game is, than they've done in quite a while. I've I got mean, to per- go. oh, sorry, <laughs> I missed most of while you were here. Well, thank you
0: That's for joining. Ju- thank you for jumping in for a bit, Eric. Good to have you. See you later.
2: Oh yeah. Um, and over here I'm still playing Tales of Innocence. How's that going? Not bad, but the overworld map could use a bit of work for navigation purposes at first, and it's very easy to get lost on that map. Oh. Mm. Yeah, well at least it's not the tempest.
1: <laughs>
2: that and I found a found that it is ridiculously easy to just level grind. Because the save points in dungeons, they heal you just by walking over them. Huh. Uh. And enemies are free roaming on the map, and they will just occasionally pop up and run at you. So <laughs> as long as you're standing on the save point and you've got auto battle turned on, and you go back every, and you just uh, hit, you just reach over and press the button, the A button, uh, every minute or two. And you can just be doing something else and they'll just keep fighting for you, and even if somebody dies, they get automatically revived because you're standing on the save point. Man, now I'm remembering
1: why uh, Tales of Destiny remake had its uh, feature to specifically disallow that kind of degeneracy.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I was stuck in a situation where I was at, like, level 17 and I needed to be a lot higher in order to beat this 3... Um, three-monster boss battle where all the monsters were very fast and had knockback attacks and long-range attacks and a few other things. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and just nothing was cutting it, so I just parked my character on the save point and let them level up three or four times before taking him on again.
1: (laughs) I'm trying to remember what what awful thing that that, bo- that that bonus boss in Tales of Destiny remake shouts at you <laughs> if he sees you on the world map. I, just, I think he was supposed to like he was a villain from Destiny 2 and he would just sort of like shout at you for wasting your time. <laughs> but like you could fight him for real in like a bonus dungeon, but if you found him on the world map he was just unkillable. But like he would he would basically only ever spawn if you were just running around in circles on the world map for a long enough time. <laughs> That's a great game. I wish that uh, the fan translation for that was not uh, mired in development hell. So, no. perhaps one day.
2: Yeah. Okay, well, then, different question from the peanut gallery over here. Uh, what is your favorite optional boss?
1: Ooh, that's a good one.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: it's it's always a stock answer, but the one in Dragon Quest Six that just kills the final boss for you. <laughs> Like, there's, there's no reward an optional boss can give you that's actually worth it, so, I mean, you might as well turn it into a joke where it's just like, well, you beat me, you can beat him, I'll beat him for you.
2: I know, I mean, one of my favorites is actually from the Saga 2 remake, mm-hmm. because in the original Final Fantasy Legend 2, they they had the one optional dungeon called the Nasty Dungeon. Yeah. Um uh, Japanese was Ichi Water, which yeah. just means, like, Basically, it's a word that means something between teasing and bullying. <laughs> um, and the, I mean, the little fairy at the beginning of the dungeon even states outright that the dungeon is mean and nasty and you should probably not go in. And she's got the only magi in that world anyway. So she just gives it to you so you don't have to go through the dungeon. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the magi in question is called the wings of Pegasus and it allows you to teleport. Mm-hmm. So you can go as deep into the dungeon as you want and then just teleport out to safety, heal up, restock, and try again. But if you make it all the way to the end of the dungeon, um, she's waiting for you, and she asks if you agree with her that it was mean and nasty. And if you disagree with her, she zaps you back to the center of the dungeon and disables all teleportation. (laughs) Uh, So this is in the original Game Boy game. So in the DS remake, if you manage to get all the way through the nasty dungeon, uh, when you get out, you find a new NPC standing next to the entrance, and he gives you access to a an optional battle arena where you can fight super versions of several of the game's bosses for fun, glory, and extra items. And one of the first enemies that you can fight on this is the Nasty Fairy. The fairy that zaps you back to the middle yeah. of the level. Yes. So um, she was like the bane of so many players of the original game that the developers just made her a an optional boss. <laughs> magical. Just, just for the satisfaction of beating her little wings off. Nice.
1: <laughs> That's really good. Uh, I guess to put in another entry of something I've played recently, the bonus boss in Yakuza 0 uh, there's a, like, Kiryu and Majima both get their own but uh, Majima's uh, like, they're both... The the series has, like, a sequence of bonus bosses. Like, each of them are always the same... Like, they're part of the same, like, assassin clan or whatever. But Majima's version, Joe Amon, gets the... He has the one of my favorite abilities I've ever seen an enemy have in a game.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is that he can put fake healing items inside your inventory in any empty slot you have. <laughs> and what's even... So so like the best healing item in Yakuza is zero and the one you are most likely to be loaded up on are called Stamina Sparks. And he will put a Stamina Spork in there. And Stamina Spork has the exact same description as Stamina Spark. But if you drink it, it drains your health to nearly nothing and removes all of your special meters. <laughs> And he can just put that in your inventory, just waiting for a player to get desperate, try, go to the first stamina in their inventory and try to drink
2: it. It's kind of beautiful. Hmm. Yeah. Yep, that was a pretty good one.
1: <laughs> Kiryu, meanwhile, gets to fight one that, for some reason, has basically no hand to hand combat. He just has a laser cannon for some reason. <laughs> I wasn't. I was baffled when I started fighting him and got hit with that and was instantly killed. It's not a great fight, but it's almost worth it just for how surreal it is the first time you get shot with a laser cannon and die immediately. <laughs> but, yeah, so that, that was a particularly good one that I experienced relatively recently. And I guess to continue the Yakuta theme, this straddles the line between mini-boss and actual boss, depending upon... What you're looking at, but the Majima Everywhere system in Yakuza Kiwami gives a lot of chances—chances chances for you to optionally fight Majima in really stupid ways. And the best one that I've seen so far is that partway through, he will uh, corral his entire Yakuza family into dressing as zombies and pretending that Kiryu is being attacked in a zombie apocalypse. And they, like, you You have to fight a particularly tough variant of Majima that also is marauded by, like, tons of, you know, zombie-dressed freaking <laughs> other Yakuza, like, underlings. And, you know, it's a pretty, it, like, it's a pretty good fight, but I just appreciated the amount of effort he goes into. And then after you beat him, like, Kiryu, you somehow thought this was real, first of all. And second of all... Like Majima comments that like I spent a lot of money on this and I also recorded all of it, so I'm probably just gonna cut it together and release it as a B movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know.
2: It's fun with My... self aware.
1: It's it's great. I like I had to plug Yakuza again, that's tradition, so <laughs> there you go. Majima's a great bonus boss. You will. What's that? Favorite bonus bosses?
0: I think one of my favorites was the bonus boss in Super Mario RPG. Oh, Culex! Yes. Always Mm. enjoyed doing that one. (laughs)
1: Uh, Let me think what else. Uh, A little bit of self parody of Final Fantasy at that stage. Um, It's
0: the only. Okay. The dragons in Final
1: Fantasy VI. Did you uh, fight the the ultimate dragon from the six advance re release? I believe I did. It's been a while,
0: but I believe I went through and did all the the new content, Um, which is also fun. But yeah, the the dragons in Final Fantasy VI was always a fun thing to track down and find them all.
2: Gotta slay them all.
1: Yeah.
0: Gotta kill them all.
1: Well, that's not the right Pokemon, but uh, in any case, I guess I'll, I'll throw one out just for sheer degree of tradition. Like, I appreciate that Omega Weapon goes all the way back in some form to, like, Final Fantasy One, and that's kind of impressive. Mm. Although, I'm kind of glad that they never did again, like, oh, there's just a specific area that if you got real unlucky with the encounter table, guess what? You get to fight him. Because, <laughs> uh... That's really mean, by the way.
2: (laughs) Okay, not exactly an optional boss, but pretty close. Um, So, in Valkyrie Profile, when you go past the Seraphic Gate into the bonus areas, Mm -hmm. and there's a thing called the Hamster. Oh! And it is the single oh, hardest enemy in the entire game because it's so small you cannot actually hit it oh, with yeah. most of the attacks. Um, they go straight over it so you have to figure out the best way to approach it first and then get it up into the air and then start whacking the crap. I and it can it, it can pretty much kill almost anyone with one or two hits.
1: Mm. It's a and prank it's a on the player. Yes. This isn't really an optional boss, but it's optional in the sense that you're not you don't have to beat it and in fact you aren't supposed to, but like the one of the first fights in Tales of Destiny, I think it's with like Leon, but basically you're not supposed to win this fight, and if you do, the game plays like a silly alternate ending. Or it's just like, Oh, and the party went off and became famous lens hunters. The end. <laughs> but you're absolutely not supposed to win that fight, and so the game just goes into crazy mode if you successfully do so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's uh... That's all I got for optional bosses.
0: Alright. Can we move to the next question? Sure. Oh, excuse me. Oh, yeah. Uh, is there profit to be made with Dragon Quest 11 on 3DS? Is it more concerned with publishing something else since 50k to 100k in sales would be more than enough compared to many small RPGs on Vita and 3DS?
1: It's opportunity cost. If they released it, it would likely break even, but like, they could be doing spending sending that team of people working on the Localization to polish up the localization for the other platforms, or make sure that the Switch version actually gets running in time for Doomsday. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one of those things. Like, eh, it's not. It's it, like the 3DS is winding down, and I think this shows what Square Annexes like assumptions are about the platform. It's like the platform's about dead, and we're we've got all we want out of it. So. Yeah. It's not that they couldn't ever ring a profit out of it, but, again, opportunity cost. Yeah, Which is a shame. I'd like to see that version, but... It's gonna take Nintendo... I, I might
2: try something since it's the only only console I have that will play it.
1: I should grab it, just so I can uh, practice my kanji by reading all the furigana. <laughs> <sighs>
2: I'll
1: pretend that that would work out. <laughs> probably going to hit it you get like a best price re-release eventually I can grab it then but yeah sadly won't be seeing that in the 3DS swan song that is currently going ongoing uh, threatens t- to continue with a Luigi's Mansion remake for some reason why not and um Captain Toad oh, yeah, I forgot there's a 3DS version of that I just yeah. remember the Switch version <laughs> The version. To treasure tracker it's the version I'll, be I'll be grabbing the Switch version <laughs> it's got new levels and I'm just remembering they took like two years to get detective Pikachu into the US and like it was by the point where no one actually expected it to come back
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, Luigi's Mansion remake seems like the sort of thing that happens when you've got a bunch of Luigi's Mansion character models lying around <laughs>
2: Yeah, and, and maybe a lot of fans in the development team.
1: Oh, definitely. It
2: reminds me, I never got
0: around to finishing the second Luigi's Mansion, so I should probably do that.
1: Luigi Mansion Two, Luigi Mansion Dark Moon.
0: Mario,
1: Mario, Mario. I appreciate. I appreciate that his voice sample gets more panicked the more healthy falls. <laughs> Mario. Uh, this is. We should not let let this continue. Uh, I guess in eulogy for uh, Dragon Quest XI 3DS, preferred graphical style if you end up playing it's, it.
0: It's not dead yet.
1: In eulogy for the fact that we're not getting it in America. It's not dead yet. They specifically said they didn't have interest in localizing it. Well, they did, but someone <laughs> else could.
0: A Nintendo, a fictional... Third party that's awesome and would do an awesome thing for awesome people.
1: Like I'm sure that the that third parties would probably fight each other over the right to be able to do that, but Square Enix would never let them. Like it would be the only companies they would trust with a Dragon Quest release would be a first party.
0: Listen, why do you got to be a dream crusher? Stop
2: crushing uh, dreams. I don't know, but I think you should start going into like realistic sci-fi publishing. <laughs> I'll write
1: an awful sci fi story about how this great possible technological advancement was crushed by bureaucracy not being able to find an, a fashion to make it profitable.
2: So a, so, a counterpoint to Ready Player One. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, Speaking of which, are either of you interested in that movie?
1: Nope.
2: No. Yeah.
1: I have very little 80s nostalgia, and it's got a lot of 80s nostalgia it's yeah. coasting
2: on. Well, I've got plenty of 80s nostalgia. I've just. I remember reading the book and putting together most of the clues 40 pages before the main character did. Yeah, I wasn't
1: the snippets I've read of the book don't seem like super compelling prose, so... Not really. So, yeah, I, I can safely skip that. I, I don't see a lot of movies in theaters that I actually do care about, so... All I want is my Infinity War. I mean, you're going to get it yes, very so shortly. I'm going to
0: see it in IMAX 3D. I uh
1: know where you'll be for the next two weeks? When when does that come out? Uh um, May or April? That is April twenty seventh. <laughs> Bless you. Okay. Where I know well, I know where you will be in about three weeks and for the next two weeks afterwards. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: two days after that I fly to Florida, so And watch so it again? No, I doubt I'll be get the chance to go see it again while I'm down there.
1: Why are you going to Florida? <laughs> Disney World. Should visit? You should visit our uh, good friend Beat. I'll see if I can squeeze that in. I'll shoot him a, I'll shoot him a. He lives like freaking half hour away from <laughs> from Disney World. I'll nice. shoot him a message and say <laughs> you should meet up for a
0: bit. Uh, all right. So,
1: um, anything else on Dragon Quest Eleven? Uh, I want to play it. I realistically like when they announced that the Switch version was due out later, all I could think to myself was I'm gonna buy this game more than once and there's no earthly way that I'm gonna play it I'm gonna be able to finish it before the Switch version comes out and that's the version I'll end up finishing. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because portables actually it turns out are very important to me.
0: <laughs> they are pretty red.
1: Yeah. I have a might. few I have a few of them that get much much use tell me about your uh, I'm just trying to pull a really obscure one tell me about your uh, game mate I don't know what that is <laughs> it's uh, fine, you shouldn't my brother had an Atari Lynx <laughs> oh man, I have a friend who had an Atari Lynx how did your brother like uh, Todd's color. Adventures in Slime World yeah.
2: what, what's that, Mike? I used to have a, a Swan color oh, nice, nice. I think I uh, still you, have Riviera at the Promised Land on a shelf. I need to sell that back sometime. For, did I you remember. manage to get
1: a swan crystal or just swan color?
2: It's a swan color. And it stopped working after a while, and I don't know why. <laughs> I have two Wonder Swan games. Which ones?
0: Um, saga and Romancing Saga.
1: <laughs> the most predictable choices, given the person being talked to.
2: And... <laughs> quite expensive now because very few games that were not um, anime tie-ins got any sort of print run.
1: (laughs) How will I get Dice to Chocobo now?
0: Um, But yeah, that Slime World game on uh, the Lynx was pretty cool. At the time, anyway. System in general was garbage. Total garbage. But got better battery powered than the
1: Game Gear, so there's that. Todd's Adventures in Slime World. I'm just thinking about the links right now. The, there's a truly tragic story behind that, but it's also not a terribly interesting story unless you're inherently interested in the weirdness that was early 90s Atari. How weird was early 90s
2: Atari?
1: Let me tell you about it. No, I'm not going to go into a long diatribe about Jack Tramiel, but I will say that they bought they bought the hardware specs and then put them to a focus group who said that the unit that they had needed to be bulkier because it wasn't substantial enough, and then they made something way too large. And people were like, why did you make something so large? I can't actually carry this in a pocket even if I try. <laughs> and also they had made something so large that it needed it needed two different battery compartments because otherwise it would be weighted down heavily to one side uh, because it needed six AA's. Or was it eight? It might have been eight. It was a lot, uh, but also the company that they had acquired—that they acquired a company called Epix that had decided to make a handheld. They had previously been a Commodore sixty four developer, but they—they they made a handheld and then, of course, had no money to produce one. So Atari acquired it and them, but like put them in a position where like they would be hit with tremendous financial penalties if they didn't rele- if they did not like bring in code on time. That was releasable, so Epics would would submit code to them, and then Atari's like approval process would sit on it for like weeks, and then send it back to them saying you need to fix all these bugs right before the deadline. Jeez.
2: Oh, so basically, Atari being Atari. Yeah, basically. Bad times.
1: Not a great place to work. But I mean, at least it wasn't the Jaguar. Oof. Do the math. Well,
0: it's still better than the CDI. I mean, probably.
1: It's less educational. Probably? Absolutely. I mean, there's Tempest 2000? 3000? I can't remember which one is on the Jaguar. Possibly both. That's a really good game. There's a revival of that particular brand of Tempest coming out fairly soon. Tempest 4000. Support your local Llamasoft. Just to say, the only Lama Soft that exists. Jeff Minter's got uh, game design chops for shooters with very nice visual, oral integration. I recommend it. But yeah, otherwise, not much to recommend on the Jag. Unless you really want the worst 2D Bubsy game. Uh, There's a worse <laughs> one on than, the Jag? <laughs> I was into the others. Yeah, yeah, no, br- like Bubsy and Fractured Furry Tales is magical because... It's the same as all the others, except the levels are a million years long. Oh, no. What could possibly go wrong, Wheel? It's like, oh, I'm nine checkpoints in and I game over. I hate this video game. (laughs) It's pure evil. A little bit, a little bit. So, yeah, don't, don't, Jaguar, don't do it. Why are we talking about this? I forget why we went on this. Yeah, I apologize for that. I've ruined it. I've ruined the podcast. Uh, let's, let's mercy kill us. Okay. I beg of you.
2: Um, Put Bubsy down, please. Uh,
0: you can send us questions in the usual place, including questions about Bubsy and how we should play Bubsy and how Bubsy is your favorite. Uh, on the forums
1: or on Twitter's, someone's uh, gonna someone's gonna respond to this by asking for how we would make a Bubsy RPG, and it's gonna be your fault. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, the an- answer to that is to make a game that's completely unrelated to the subject at hand, and then just put an ugly bobcat face on top of the main character. So we'd we'd uh, hand it off to Idea Factory. Oh no, no, no
0: I don't no. have I don't
1: have Moai Bubsy in me. No. <laughs> You're Uh, excited to do moe kills with Bubsy? uh, Is that what you want to be responsible for bringing into this world? Mugen, Bubsy. Oh, Why are you trying to get someone to program the 8th layer of hell into a video game? (laughs) I don't
0: know. I don't know. Everyone should suffer as I have.
2: (laughs) Suffer like G did? So, Wheels, how is your reading coming along?
0: uh very slowly, as it's just kind of I guess how you read when you have two kids very slowly um but quicker than any book I've started to read recently, so I think that should tell you a lot uh it's a it's a very easy read, and whenever I have a few moments to read a few pages uh it's been quite entertaining good yeah once I get farther in, I'll share some more some deeper thoughts, but right now, yeah, it's pretty cool reading, um, reading, like, the different, the different princesses and, um, how it all fits into, like, D&D, it's just, uh, so good. Um, I really, really like the concept, and yeah, like I said last time, I'm, I'm really shocked that no one has done something like this before at least that I know because it's just like it's it's like the perfect framing d- device to tell like a fantasy story uh I guess kind of similar to you know uh like something like never ending story or something like that just uh frame it through d and d why i, I don't why has no one done that before It's just so perfect
2: and i I can think of several different stories where people were playing a game and then got sucked into the fantasy
1: Yeah, it seems much more common. I think people assume that you need that for stakes, which seems foolish to me. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah and in fact, I had at least one beta reader and one family member ask me why I didn't, or ask me if I was going to do that. <laughs> I'm like, no. Uh, I I'm not
1: f-. doing the D&D cartoon.
2: But, well, well, that and also just kind of goes around at the point.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's like half the fun is the fact that this is an exercise in creativity as a group effort and yeah. if it somehow becomes independent of the players in that way, then it's you can you can have a lot of fun without actually crossing that line.
0: Yeah, I think it 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 captures the D and D experience perfectly. Like I I think it's really hard to explain like what happens during a session to D&D to someone that's never really played it before like just this idea that yeah it's a game and yeah there's someone kind of directing the story but it kind of takes on like a life of its own and it's not really easy to explain how that happens and yeah uh, I think you you've really kind of hit and, it
2: it's fun in games when people bring in personal problems to the table and yep. they it, it kind of Spills over. Yeah. And... Or when a ca- or when a player is rolling worse on their wisdom score than the char- that their character is <laughs> um, by a fair amount. <laughs> <laughs> or well, I assume
0: you don't do this in the book. Or the one time where our D and D came back from going to the bathroom, and all of us were just like, "Yeah, we're turning evil," and.
2: You should probably be prepared for that. <laughs> have not? did not do that exact scenario, but there have been some <laughs> surprises coming back from the toilets.
0: Good times. There was one time uh, in a DC group we had where there, there was a floating city, and it became um, all of us players' obsession to um, knock that floating city out of the sky in spectacular fashion
1: good times I expect another book report next week <laughs> yes,
0: Please. please. <laughs> I shall provide um, and I think I have said multiple times I will provide a link to the book in one of the forum threads and have not and so, you have never yet done it so, so. I shared it on Twitter but i uh, still going to yell at you, at you. Hopefully I will remember this time to put a link to it in the forum thread. i you, know, uh, you just got to put it in your signature.
2: About
1: this. Yeah. Just put it in your signature.
2: <laughs> it is in my signature. Actually, I, is it in this one? I, no, I think the... I need to put it back in my signature. It used to be.
0: <laughs> uh, right, but anyway, uh, so there's questions, usual place, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um... Hearthstone, um, lots of Hearthstone, etc. Don't ask about Hearthstone, please. Please do. Please don't. Or ask about World of Warcraft, because then I could easily s- swing that over to Hearthstone.
2: Again, don't, please. <laughs> uh,
0: no, you should you should ask us about Alliance Alive, because I'm sure we'll have more to talk about that uh, by next week. Yeah. Anyway, um, the only other plug I have is uh, Phil Willis and I have started a Monster Hunter show, and if any of you are interested in Monster Hunter, I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, It's not going to have its own page until the new site starts up, so I believe it's currently still on the index. It's called um, The Hunt Stories from Monster Hunter, and I highly recommend people check that out and yes, that does mean you won't hear me blabbing endlessly about Monster Hunter on here anymore, so...
1: Clearly, Yakuza needs to also be sequestered to its own podcast.
0: <laughs> what would you call that show? What would be a good name for that?
1: Yakin about Yakuza. <laughs> Perfect. It
2: sounds, like something, it sounds like something they would come up with on Full House.
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, I was actually thinking of the uh, the Simpsons joke about Gavin about God. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, man! Whatever happened to predictability?
1: I'm I'm completely I'm completely ignoring that and thinking about Sam Cooke singing "What a Wonderful World." This what? could be
0: the milkman, the paperboy, late night TV.
1: No, it's not what I'm thinking about at all.
0: No, no, nothing. Nope. I forget what the next lyric is. So you win this
1: round. Don't know much about science books. Don't know much about the French I took. But I do know that I love you. And I know that you love me too. Well, all right. on that note, would be.
0: <laughs> good night, folks.
1: Before we go completely off the rails. You think we haven't already left? We're careening into a valley.
2: It's true. Yeah, and yet, it is still not as bad as the first post. Daylight Savings Time episode. <laughs> Listen, I was
1: legally dead during that
2: episode. <laughs> I was the only person legally alive during that. It's true, because you don't have to suffer. You don't have to
0: suffer as we do. Exactly.
1: <sighs>
0: On that note, suffer peace like out.
1: She did.